Asset Protection Today on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hi there. My name is Scott Fitzgerald, along with attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, I'm, I'm always thrilled that you, you come back each and every week and do this with me. I haven't run you off yet. Well, good morning, Scott. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's great following the weekend gardener. It's cold outside, and it's just nice to be here to be able to talk about asset protection and, and some of the things that people need to be thinking about now and in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as we keep paying the heating bill and it's cold outside, <laughs> you'll come on the inside. So that's a... Yeah. So that's, that's good to know. Yes, sir. Still the beginning of the year here, and, uh, and kind of the theme that we've been discussing here over the past couple of weeks is getting ready, setting the year, and, and making sure that we start off on the right foot. And sometimes that means let's do the right thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. that means let's make sure we don't do the wrong thing. I am sure you've seen some major mistakes through the years. In terms of uh, just thinking about it's the beginning of the year, people have uh, thought about resolutions and improving their lives. And what I would want people to think about are long-term things, things that you can start improving on now. And if you do it over a long period of time, it will make a, a significant difference in your lifestyle. A lot of us start with resolutions. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to lose weight. And and exercise, I guess that's my default. Yeah. But but uh, but uh, but the truth is, is that uh, by the end of January, uh, most of us are, um, uh, you know, back on the old track. You know, uh, our bad habits are really hard to break. And with uh, so many things, when it uh, comes down to asset protection, uh, this is somewhat of a no-brainer, but you have to put certain things in place so that over time you build assets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to right. have assets to protect them. That's <laughs> a, a very good point, lest we forget that part. So uh, we're all on that path of building. Uh, or, right. And, and so it, it's the kind of thing where f- for most young people, tr- particularly, it's a matter of uh, budgeting so that they are living below their means. One, one of my biggest concerns about the young generation, regardless of which ones they are, mm-hmm. uh, they're spending too much money. They're, in other words, they're not living below their means. There's, they're not putting enough away uh, for the future. Uh, and uh, I guess they're just living for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, where they have opportunities where they could save a great deal of money if they chose to. Uh, But they're making choices that are for the day and not for the future. And all of us uh, need to be thinking about those those kinds of things. Uh, But uh, the bottom line is is that uh, having a budget where you're paying your debt, getting it off the books, particularly your high-interest debt, Saving money, put it back. Um, you, you know, truthfully, most of a lot of folks don't realize this, but most of the wealth in this country is accumulated by not necessarily folks who have inherited a lot of wealth or who have been lucky and made tons of money uh, in their business. Most of the wealth is accumulated by folks who have just regular jobs, you know, school teachers. And, you know, you don't have to go very far to have a school teacher say, hey, we don't get paid very much. No, no, you you can throw a rock and you'll hit one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just saying that that folks who have 
normal jobs, normal budgets, uh, you know, not high paying. It's those folks who accumulate wealth over 30 and 40 years because they save money every month. They live below their means. And it has everything to do with choices about, you know, how big is your house, you know, what kind of car you drive, uh, you know, your choices in terms of, of going out, uh, you know, paying $5 for coffee, <laughs> you know, those kind of, of choices. Uh, um, they all add up. Add up. Or they all subtract signi- one, one significantly. Way or the other. Yeah, and Bill, so those are, are really important things for folks to consider. Well, when you talk about the young people, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. Just like a doctor says, you need mm-hmm. to eat less, you need to exercise. So there's, there's that high-level thinking about it. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're talking to somebody, let's assume they're a young person, to get the light bulb to go off? when? Because I'm sure you've seen it, where somebody goes, mm-hmm. oh, now I understand. What does it normally take to get somebody to that, fo- that point? Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. You know, when we're young, we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of us do. That's just part of our human Well, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, of course, the, the smartest of us, we learn by other mis- others' mis- mistake instead right. of our own. But all of us have made mistakes. But when we're young... We can say, oops, and let's do a do-over. Mm-hmm. We, we can uh, correct, we can do better, and those kind of things. But seniors, on the other hand, oftentimes the mistakes that they make, and as we get older, when we make mistakes in retirement, we don't get a do-over. You know, we're stuck with the choices we've made. Uh, and it can mean that we run out of money in retirement. And by run out of money, I mean we don't have enough money to pay for our mortgage or our rent or pay for food or pay for our medicine. And there's not a government program that's going to come save you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks say, oh, if I run out of money, then the government's going to take care of me. And that's just not true. You know, the bottom line is we have to take responsibility for ourselves and we have to make reasonably good choices. That doesn't mean we have to make the very best choices every time we, we get to a crossroads. But we have to make reasonably good, good choices through our lifetime so that we'll be able to take care of ourselves and our family, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, you know, until we die. And unfortunately, that a lot of folks are not making those, those choices. Uh, Do you see a difference... A generational difference. I mean, the people that you talk to right now that are 70 years old, compare them to a 50-year-old and a 30-year-old that you may have conversations with. Is there a real obvious different mindset with the, just the generations that you see? Uh, well, there's. it's not just a mindset. It, it's the fact that the world has changed and the world will continue to change. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that those who are 70 and, you know, in that age group, most of the baby boomers, if you will, uh, grew up in a time where jobs, opportunities abounded. Right. Uh, and we had opportunities that, for the most part, were based on our creativeness, our education, uh, and our work, work ethic. And so most 
baby boomers actually had a very strong work ethic. We saved our money. We, you know, we looked to the future and those kind of things. Plus the market and the opportunities and the world, and the, they were all moving in a pretty good direction as well, a whole. Well, here's a biggie. 30 years ago and 40 years ago, when the baby boomers entered the market, many, many companies had pension plans. Mm-hmm. That is defined benefit plans where when you retired, you could count on the company giving you a monthly benefits of 1500 to $3,000 a month, plus Social Security. Okay, so that was worth a lot. Now, how many, how, how many companies offer defined benefit plans today? Practically none. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them are gone. The only pension plans left, for the most part, are with government workers, whether it's military, uh, federal, civil service, state employees, you know, uh, public school teachers uh, and uh, local government workers still have pension plans. But, you know, that the pension plan is supposed to offset lower salaries over their lifetime. And even uh, some states uh, are doing away with their pension plan. So, you know, fortunately, they haven't done that in North Carolina because there is a contract, if you will, between we can't pay you as much. Uh, you know, in terms of your salary, but we have these great benefits for you uh, for your lifetime. Wouldn't surprise me if that might change at some point in but time. But the bottom the line is it doesn't exist anymore that's for right. most people. For most folks, it does not. So <laughs> that's not a mistake that you've made, but that means that you need to make course adjustments. When we come back, we're going to talk about that, how you can make the plans today for whatever point you are in your retirement plan. It's asset protection today. We'll be back in a moment on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today. Good morning. Glad you're with us here today. Attorney Bill Alexander, of course, is the expert. I'm just the guy pushing the buttons on this side of the old console here. And Bill, before we took a break, we were talking about the world, which is kind of what we talk about each and every week and our place in it. And it certainly has gone through some changes through the years. We talk about the fact that pension plans don't exist anymore. That was a real helpful thing for retirees. Uh, You know, you couple that with a social security system that was robust and people could live fairly well when they had a pension and good social security. Well, the other big change for the retirement and retirees is how strong is our social security system? Well, those folks who are coming up and they're 30 and 40 today, will Social Security be worth anything for them? And the bottom line is, is the projections are for that generation is Social Security might be enough to pay for their supplemental medical costs, but not be enough for them to live on. And not that Social Security was ever supposed to be enough for folks to live on, but there are an awful lot of folks who are living on it. Right, that's, yeah. But the other thing that is huge, and I really have a place in my heart for young people, is because the economy plummeted for a lot of young folks who went to school or didn't have the opportunity to go to school, and there were no jobs. And so there was about five years of graduates that when they got out of school, there were no jobs available for them. And what was out there was either part-time or way below what they should have been able to get. And the generation ahead of them was so far better off because jobs were available for them. And then you had five years of graduate who were not only competing against their the other graduates in the for the very small number of jobs available, 
But they were also competing against the folks who were let go and had two or three years of experience. And so as a result, there's a large percentage of young folks who are probably 10 years behind their parents in terms of economic growth. And you take away your first 10 years of economic growth over your lifetime, that I mean, if you know the time value of money, Mm -hmm. that really puts you in a pickle in in terms of your ability to save enough money for your own retirement. And, and And then you combine that with the fact that we're living longer. Right. You know, these young people who are 10 years behind us economically... Uh, their their jobs are not as strong. They're not paid as much in terms of a percentage. They have a harder time putting money away. They have you know in terms of living a lifestyle. This is the first generation that has got to live a lower lifestyle than their parents in order to make it. Right, through, just to make it, just which is to the make scary it. part. That's exactly right. And, and so many young people are not willing to do that. And that's why it's scary because when these folks reach 70 years old, they're not going to have enough money to retire, not even close. Well, in addition to having a harder opportunity in front of them and, mm-hmm. and, and fewer chances, their parents, the ones that raised them, also gave them more. It seems right. like it was much more of a, here, you can just have this right. an entitlement kind of generation. That's a bad double whammy. Well, it there. is a double whammy, and it's the kind of thing where – uh, there will be a generation where the parents are, you know, that were generous, are now struggling, and there's not of any inheritance for those kids, mm-hmm. and so again, they're on their own. So, you know, when you when you look at all of those dynamics acting, I mean, all of them are going against that generation, and that's what's so scary. Um, a, a, a lot of folks, it, when they look at retirement. They are, in fact, in ignoring life expectancies, and and because right now uh, the life expectancies from for uh, most folks is in the late eighties. Well, can you retire when you're fifty five and have enough money? Uh, so that's uh, a biggie. You know, most people don't have the resources to do that, and so. Uh, and that's a, that's part of the other thing. Retiring too early uh, it is a big mistake that people are are making, um, and and they, you know, unless they have a huge nest egg to fall back on, if if they retire early, then uh, they may very well uh, run out of money before they reach. Um, yes. You know, the end of their life. There's another double whammy there. I just read an article about how, yes, we are living longer. The The age of retirement, they keep discussing, let's push this back, let's push this back, which is fine if you are relatively well off and you're relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. But they go hand in hand. If you are poorer, then less you are less likely to be healthy. So therefore, it's once again, it's a double whammy against a certain segment of the population. Well, and of course, the the whole world is changing again, and it's sort of like this: uh, for all of those folks who are employed, is their job guaranteed to them until they're seventy? Of course not. They may they may for whatever reason. You know, corporate America today. It, it is cutthroat. You know, if they're if they don't reach their numbers that they're looking for in the quarter, they mm-hmm. may l- let ten uh, percent of their workforce go. 
And if you're part of that 10%, you know, and you're 58 years old, how easy is it for you to find a comparable job? That's a world to hurt. Well, and, and so what I'm getting at is it's another reason that folks need to be putting money back because you never know when those that kind of crisis will hit you. Um, because, or, you know, you've said it, health. You know, are we good, guaranteed good health until we're 85 or 90? We're not. We, we you know, our bodies. You got a better chance of not getting well, fired by a big you know, corporation. The bottom line is, is our bodies uh, start going downhill, you know, at some, for most of us uh, when we reach our mid 50s. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then it gets just worse from there. And so, you know, things just don't work the way they used to. And uh, and it's the kind of thing where oftentimes for folks, health is the reason that they cannot continue working. And so if unless we have planned for those kind of issues, uh, we could be uh, in real trouble. And so another piece of retirement mistakes, you know, we're talking about ignoring life expectancy, retiring too early. Well, the other piece is tapping into your retirement uh, benefits too early. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it because, and part of the retirement benefits would be Social Security, but it amazes me how many people will start taking their Social Security when they're 62 years old. That's the, that's the minimum age, unless you're disabled, to draw Social Security. And if you take your Social Security check when you're 62, now, first of all, you may live another 30 years. You know, that's not out of the question. And you're taking a 25% hit, lifetime hit, mm-hmm. on your Social Security benefits by taking them early rather than taking them at your full retirement age, which for those who are retiring now, that age is 66, but Social Security full retirement age is going up to 67 for those folks who were born in the uh, late 50s and early 60s. And then the so full retirement age will be 67. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that for our young people, their full retirement age will probably be 70 within a few (laughs) years. And so uh, the bottom line is there's going to be less and less Social Security. But also it's people make the poor choices as to when to take Social Security because unless you have to have the money at age 62, and hopefully you're still working at that age, Mm -hmm. then you should not take it unless you're in such poor health that you expect to die uh, within 10 years, uh, truthfully, because you're far better off either waiting till full retirement age or even better if you're still doing the things that you should be doing is to wait until age 70 where you actually get a 32% boost lifetime increase in your social security yes it takes you to your 82 and a half to make up the difference but that's still below life expectancies so if you reach 65 66 and you're still in good health it's highly likely that you're going to live past your early 80s uh, unless the truck runs over, right? You know, you know, we don't have any uh, miracle no on, on when on that uh, God's going to call us, but it's the um, the kind of thing where some of it's just good 
decision-making. Right. It's all about choices. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we talk about here on Asset Protection Today. Choices Mm -hmm. you make earlier in your life. We'll talk about some of those other mistakes that, well, maybe they're part of your life, and maybe we can help you curtail those. It's coming up on News Radio 680 WPTF. Asset protection today on News Radio 680 WPTF. Bill, normally we uh, normally we talk about positive things, and and I guess if you look at it in the right way, this is a positive discussion because what we're doing is we're helping you to be smart to avoid mistakes. But what are some of those other mistakes that? Uh... Another biggie: retiring with debt is a huge mistake. In other words, you should keep working until you have your debt paid off. You know, obviously, which debt first? Well, it's a no-brainer: pay your credit cards right, off. Because those are high interest rate. Next uh, would typically uh, come car loans because they're a higher interest rate than your mortgage. But then having your home paid off when you're retired is huge. I mean, you think about it. You know, I I see some of these uh, so-called experts that say, oh, no, you're better off investing your money and keep paying your mortgage and all this other stuff. That's baloney. I mean, if you think about it, if your home is paid off, you can weather the storm if you have a home to live in that where you don't have to pay rent and you don't have to pay a mortgage. But if you're stuck paying $1,200 a month in rent or paying $1,200 a month in a mortgage or $1,500 or, or $900 of what it is, that takes money away from your food budget, your medicine budget, right. your, you know, the, the gasoline for your car and, and, and everything else. And if your home is paid for, I've, uh, you know, you don't struggle financially typically yeah, I mean, you may not have the money to go around the world and have a wonderful bucket list, but at least you have enough money for food and the basic necessities of, of life. Uh, whereas if you have debt, uh, you may lose your home, you may lose everything and not have enough money uh, to pay for those necessities over time. So retiring without debt is a very helpful way to retire uh, with some financial security. So if somebody's close, let's say somebody's close to retiring and they just got a few years left on their mortgage, all things being equal, would you suggest to them that they go ahead and just tough it out for another year or two and go ahead and keep working and pay it off? Or what What do you have to balance uh, uh, out in order to be able to make that recommendation? Uh, uh, well, I mean, it, it goes along with these others. All of these are fairly consistent things, working a little bit longer than what you might have otherwise, if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, having your mortgage paid off is huge because – now, there are, there are folks out there that will say, oh, you can make more money in the stock market and you're better off investing and then you can take those profits and pay your mortgage off. But those numbers really don't work out for most people. Plus, there's always risk involved. And, and that's it. I mean, all you have to do is look, where's the stock market today? Right. It's lost. And, and one of the biggest things for seniors is what do we do with our money so it's at very low to no risk so we know that the money is there later on? Uh, that's that's a key concern for seniors, as it should be. And while I won't ever tell somebody not to invest in the stock market, because long term, the stock market is the place to invest if you have the money to do it. 
because that's where the best gains over time is. But the problem for seniors uh, is you might not have the time. time. Right. You might. <laughs> and, and, you know, oftentimes uh, many seniors are not sophisticated than investors. They put their money in the stock market, and then it plummets like we've seen at least a 10% diminution over the last month or over the last few weeks, and they get scared. Right. It's like, well, what happens if, it, if the sky falls? And so then they get out having taken a big loss, and they can never make it back up after they've taken it out. So if you have time to weather the storm and keep your money in the market – for those who are, uh, you know, the, those who are smart investors will absolutely do that. Those who get scared will take their money out and take a huge loss that then never can be re- regained. Seems like a lot of the strategies that you talk about revolve around time. Time is either your enemy yeah. or your best friend. Exactly, and so it's it's just like for a lot of folks who retire. They still have 20 to 25 years of life expectancy. So should they take all of their funds out of the stock market? Probably not, you see. But they do need at least half of their funds in safe investments, and then they need the other half in investments that will continue to grow. And, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to give financial advice. This is just sort of the basics of not making mistakes with money uh, over time, you know, I'm much more focused on how do you protect mm-hmm. what you've got. Uh, but part of protecting is not being foolish. You have to have something to protect, right? I mean, and, that's and, part of the path. And truthfully, if you have all your money in CDs, then you're losing money every month. That's not protecting it. it it's um, it's like having your money in your mattress, right? Uh, <laughs> it's it, it basically inflation is eating up your money uh, when you have it in your mattress or you have it in a CD because inflation is higher than what the banks are paying you in a certificate of deposit. So it's it's a safe, you know, it's it's nobody's going to steal it from you, but at the same time, uh, and there's no market risk, but there is market risk because you're losing money every month to inflation. So uh, that... Uh, is is a biggie as well. And then uh, another huge mistake that I see, and it always, it interests me, but financially protecting your spouse. And there are different ways of doing it depending on when you retire, but there are a lot of folks uh, who, who still have the opportunity to make a pension elections. You know, our state employees, civil service, all, all of those uh, government folks, they typically can make an election that upon their death, their spouse will get a a large percentage of their retirement pension. Well, while that's not the only way to go, there are folks who can instead take their full retirement and purchase a large life insurance policy that will protect their spouse. But the key is to protect your spouse. Mm -hmm. And there are different ways of doing it. It's, It's before you actually retire, uh, from government service, you should talk to some good advisors about how to structure your own retirement and your spouse's. Because one of the things I talk to folks about as seniors is, okay, what's your income? What's your income if your spouse dies? And a lot of folks have never thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, they do. A lot of the ladies do think about it, but oftentimes they don't talk about it. 
and uh, I've, it really bothers me to see. Uh, oftentimes, it's the men who think, "Well, we need more money, and the only way to get more money is for me not to elect my spouse getting this money upon my death." And they just hope that they live past their spouse, which. For most men, is a bad bet. Right. <laughs> Chances are it ain't going to happen. But no, it, you're right. it happens. I mean, I see it all the time where a, a married couple will have three or four thousand dollars of of monthly income, and the husband dies, and the spouse now only has nine hundred dollars or eleven hundred dollars a month to live on. And if they still have debt, she is really in a world of hurt. So it's important for spouses uh, before they retire to know how their elections will affect their spouse so that they can work together to make sure that they're both going to be okay throughout their lifetime. I think there's some big mistakes that people make there. When we come back, I want to dig into that a little bit more. This is Asset Protection Today. If you'd like to uh, find Bill online, wgalaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. You can even send an email there to WGA at WGALaw.com. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, and this is Asset Protection Today. I'm Scott Fitzgerald, along with attorney Bill Alexander. And again, WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com is the place to go to find uh, more information about what Bill and the firm does. The name of the show is Asset Protection Today. We've been talking about mistakes. Let's talk a little bit about protection. Let's assume somebody made some pretty good choices, and now they've got a, a nest egg to work with, Bill. For seniors particularly, and once you've made it and you feel like, you've done okay and you have something to protect, one key thing is what are some of the things that you can do to where other not-so-reputable people scam you out of your money? You know, how do you avoid scams? There's so many, and and unfortunately, many of the scams are thrust upon our senior community. And they're getting really, really good and clever and tricky. With they're them, so too. sophisticated. And so it's the kind of thing where seniors really need to, you know, you asked me at the beginning of the show, are there things that people should read, uh, you know, to educate themselves and truthfully, there is, you know, because sometimes I struggle about because some, my life can be so complicated in, in terms of the kinds of decisions that I help people with. But one of the no-brainers is read as much as you can about the scams. And a place where people can go to get that information is the North Carolina Attorney General's office. I was going to say, Roy Cooper's on top of all that. Well, he is. He has a consumer... Um, uh, protection division, and they have a publication about scams uh, that you can read about all of the different scams where that where these criminals are out there to take your money away from mm-hmm. you. And truthfully, the you know the the folks who are most susceptible are those seniors who are living alone, and they're approaching eighty. And the reason is there are a lot of seniors, there's a high percentage, or I shouldn't say a high percentage, there is a percentage of seniors who are starting to go down the the road of memory loss. Mm -hmm. You know, very slight memory loss, but they uh, they can still be independent. And guess what? Many seniors feel like, I don't have enough income. I don't have enough nest egg. And then some scammer calls them up and says, 
I've got something that's too good to be true. We're going to give you a bunch of money. Right. And, uh, you know, people believe what they want to believe. And uh, sometimes it's through somebody they know at church. Sometimes, and that's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. It happens in places where you would not expect criminals to be, if you will. But from the criminal side, it makes so much sense for them to do that. How do you find a mark? You go someplace where you can find somebody who will be Mm -hmm. willing to trust you. Part of it's technology. It you is. Know, you have so. scams that come in over the email. You have scams that come in over your computer, your telephone. And so one of the biggies is not for seniors particularly, but it's true for everybody, is not to answer the phone if it's not a number that you're familiar with. You know, I can... I get calls every day, it seems like, from unavailable. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't answer the phone like when, it, when that, it's that case. Uh, if I don't know the number, we don't pick it up. And, and that's one way to avoid uh, uh, these types of And don't of call it back either. Absolutely never. There is a, a, a scammers list, and they start out with marketing tools that legitimate marketers use. Obviously, being on the do not call list is helpful. Mm-hmm. You still get calls from the charities and the political organizations, unfortunately, because they're exempted. It's too bad that they're exempted, but they are. Uh, But at least you're not getting the commercial calls if you're not on the do not call list. And then, you know, uh, if you do answer the phone and it's someone that is presenting themselves as the Internal Revenue Service or the sheriff or – um, or a technician from, you know, for the computers or whatever, more than likely it's a scam. And there's so many out there, I, I don't have the time to go over them, but, you know, reading about those scams, and if, and if you have a loved one who is, you, you think might be susceptible to scams, then you read it to them and talk to them about it. Right. You know, it's, and most, it's the kind of thing where, It'll shock you as to how sophisticated some of these scams are. And if you get scammed once, you'll be attempted. There'll be 10 additional attempts to scam you because they know if you're susceptible to a scam that that they have even more sophisticated scams that right. they can come back at you I with. got you on this one. I'll try another one. Um, my mother asked me about a particular deal online one time, and I said, Mom, if anybody reaches out to you and has an offer for you, it's no good. Nobody mm-hmm. calls you to help you. You got to find people for you to call right. to find some help. Mm-hmm. So th- that leads me to the next question: Is how does somebody find some good help? How do you choose a good professional, whether it's an accountant or an attorney or a financial planner? That is actually a great question, and one of the most difficult things to answer the right. You got to do your homework. One of the toughest things is with a financial advisor. How do you find that person who's going to honor what you tell them that they actually listen to? To you, that's one of the biggest problems with professionals. They don't listen. Mm-hmm. They want to put you in their box rather than creating a box for you based on what you're trying to do. And with uh, financial advisors, and that's one of the areas where I generally stay away from because most professionals, if you ask for a reference from a professional, normally you're simply going to get a referral to someone that that professional knows mm-hmm. or someone who sends them business right. as opposed to a referral based on 
the true mechanics of how good that financial advisor may be. That's the hard piece. So you have to do your own investigation, trust your guts, have some pretty deep conversations before you're ready to just uh, transfer your money over to the financial advisor. That's huge. And when we come back, I can talk about attorneys. That would be great because that's one that people go, gee, I heard Bill Alexander talking about attorneys. Who should I talk to? Besides Bill, WJLaw.com, that's where you can find Bill. A break in back. This is Asset Protection Today on News Radio 680 WPTF. Asset Protection Today on News Radio 680 WPTF with attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, I'm guessing that chances are when some of the folks that you work with need more than just an attorney like you. They might need some other advice. What are your recommendations for them? How to find mm-hmm. one? Let me go back to one thing before we head on to attorneys, and that is with financial advisors. Okay. You know, what I said, if you weren't listening carefully, was be very cautious of getting your referrals from professionals. Get your referrals from folks who are using the financial advisor. Professionals swap business. Right, exactly. Your your friends and relatives tell you how well they did for them. So the best place to go is to your friends. Mm -hmm. In other words, folks who are like you and have retirement and investments that are similar to you. And of course, another cross on that is, you know, a lot of folks, well, we don't have a whole lot of investments, but almost everybody does, but they forget about a huge asset that they have, and that's their retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. People need to be looking after their retirement accounts as much or more so than any of their other investments. And that's a huge mistake that folks make, a huge mistake that most working people make throughout their lifetime is they don't revisit how they have their retirement resources invested in their 401k. They make this election when they go into the plan, and then they don't ever change it. Well, that's a huge mistake that I would say 90% of employees make that they don't look after their retirement plans. Huge mistake during their lifetime. And generally the biggest asset they have as far as investment they have other than their house. Other than their home is their retirement accounts. Exactly. So, okay. Now with that, so you go to other folks that are like you, have similar nest eggs, similar retirements, and ask them, you know, do they have a financial advisor that they trust, that they feel good about, and are doing the things that they want done for them successfully? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then consider them. But but make your own adjust, you know, your own assessment. Make sure you feel comfortable with it, and use your own gut to make those choices. With attorneys, you have to understand attorneys for the most part are specialists. So it's what do you need? What, what do you, you need, need an done? attorney for? Right. I mean, do you need a divorce attorney? Do you need a personal injury attorney? And actually, going to professionals for uh, referrals to attorneys is actually a pretty good idea most of the time. But you still have to do your own homework. And that is you need to be able to consult. You need to feel comfortable. I know in my practice, it is really important that there be a reasonably good chemistry between the client and the attorney. If there's not good chemistry, if you don't feel comfortable, that's not the attorney you should choose under any circumstance. Uh, There has to be a real comfort level that exists uh, for you to choose that professional because generally it's it's going to involve some money mm-hmm. in terms of paying for the fees and 
at least in my practice, to do good estate planning for families, I want to know about the skeletons in your closet. Sure, there's an and, intimacy uh, that yeah, has to be I'll, there. There's a confidentiality that's required, but you can't help a family if you don't know how the children get along, right. if you don't know if there's some problems that exist, if you don't know all of those kind of circumstances. And so with an attorney, it's really important that you're comfortable confiding in that attorney. Uh, you should also be doing your homework in terms of check their website out, check the bar mm-hmm. to see if they have been uh, reprimanded or you know if there have been a lot of issues involved. You can go to websites to see where, what other people are saying about them, but also be cautious of those because many of them aren't uh, good. Uh, uh, you can go to Martindale and Hubble uh, or Lawyers.com, which is actually what other attorneys think of the attorney. So oh, the higher okay. the rating among attorneys, peers, right. that makes a big difference. If your peers know that you're the best in your field, you know, experience makes a difference as well, uh, particularly in estate planning. Uh, so it, it, all of those kinds of factors should go in. And of course, for us, for seniors, you know, we do a lot of seminars that so folks can come to those which have no cost to them and, and make their own assessment if yeah. they feel comfortable with uh, with us. And But there are others who do similar things, too. You get a pretty good feel when you're sure. standing eyeball to eyeball to Absolutely. somebody. A break and back, and then we're going to wrap things up for this week's edition of Asset Protection Today, WGA Law. Com. I know you're probably going to have some further questions and want to find out when the next seminar is. That's where you can get the scoop. We'll be back on News Radio 680 WPTF. Can't believe it. The hour's almost over. Asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about choosing professionals. One of the things that I would say to watch out for are professionals that only have one thing that they're advising you to do. This is what you have to do. This is the only thing that you can do. That's never true. If you're with a financial advisor or with an attorney who says you have to do it this way, this is the only way that works, and they can't discuss the pros and cons of other options, why this is a better option than that option, if they can't do that, they're not the professional you should choose. I'll give you an example. I know that there are, in my field of elder law, is that there are attorneys who are telling folks that if they want to be eligible for Medicaid, the only way that they can do it is by putting all of their property in an irrevocable trust five years before they need it. And that is so not true. You have multiple options, and that's one that we rarely use in our firm. It is an option, but it's generally a bad option for most people because most of the clients I know want to keep control of their property as long as possible. And control is very important to seniors, as it should be to everyone. And so... Be a, uh, be wary of any professional that has only one tool to offer you in terms of whether it's an investment or if it's going down that legal train. They only got a nail. They're going to tell you to only use a nail. Right. Bill Alexander, <laughs> Asset Protection Today. Our time is up. We'll do it again next week, same time here on Saturday on News Radio 680 WPTF.